got to get this message out, and it's a message about passivity. I don't think even the church is ready for this message, but I feel compelled to get it out. Is that cool? And I don't know how much grace I've got for you to hear it, but I honestly believe there's a grace right now sweeping the nations, and it's about us being awoken in, to be active again, praying, loving God with all our heart, consumed with the zeal to build the church. Am I talking to someone tonight? And, and look, I know a lot of us have let this go and we come to church nicely and it's beautiful and we just want to pat you, stroke you message. I believe in those pat you, stroke you messages because they're good. You need them to do a normal life. But there's a message that undergirds everything and that is a passion for God. That is an absolute passion for God. Jesus said, I'd rather you be hot or cold, meaning this, I'd rather you be unsaved or saved and on fire. I'd hate for you to have been to Groundswell and a month after that, now you just go into church, you've got no fire, no nothing. No, I'd rather you start all over again. I'd rather you be actually start all over again, recommit your life to the Lord and, 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 and give your life to the Lord and then go for it in Jesus' name. I don't want you to be lukewarm. And he, and he was very angry about that. And he was very, very, um, yeah, adamant about that. Thank you, Garth. And, and just to back it up a little bit, I've been talking about embracing the fight of faith. And I've been talking about persevering faith. I've been talking about our loan that we got a year and a half, battling and, and contending, you know. You got to cont- and I want to be a little bit, so understanding I'm talking to a lot of young people, I want to share a little bit also about the fact that how Julie and I ended up in ministry and, and how I came out of a normal life, how I ended up coming out of just pushing a pram, going to work nine to five, pushing a pram, and being a dad and just being a breadwinner to standing on the front line of God's church and of God's army and, and becoming a voice and mobilizing and equipping the saints. How did that happen for, for, for Pastor Phil? And I think there's something of a testimonial value in the message about that. Are you up for that? And so, um, because it's not, a, it's not an easy thing. You're calling in life and the prophetic fulfillment in your life, which is really great stuff. Your calling is not small. Your calling is huge. And your calling is, you are apprehended. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, you are apprehended for that which God apprehended you for. Meaning that there is a calling, that there's a destiny, that there's a, there's a, there's a purpose for your life in the context of the kingdom for you to figure in such a major way that it would just shatter all your, you know, paradigms of thought. It would shatter your paradigms of thought of who you are if you were to get on fire and let the Holy Spirit stir you up to believe in what God wants you to do, Janet. And so I'm saying this, that there is a, uh, there is a pervasive um, uh, enemy of a passive spirit, a plan, a strategic plan from hell, from Satan to pacify the church. And listen, I'll be honest, C3 Church has succumbed to that. We are not the praying church we used to be. Now, some of us who have been with us for a long time know that. We just cannot find the grace to pull the people together like we did, like we used to. We would pray for an hour, two hours before the service started. And we would hit the road running. And we would see God explode in our meetings down there at the Cutler Drive Primary School, David, down at your old stomping ground. And we would see drug addicts just 
crawl in, just, just being drawn in by God and get saved and, and we would see people get blessed and amazingly impacted by God because there was so much prayer wrapped around this church and contextualizing this church. Now, I know for a fact you cannot live a successful, overcoming life without the power of prayer. And you cannot have a powerful, successful, influential, encountering God church without the power of prayer. And so I do pray an hour a day. I go for prayer walks. You can see that on Facebook. You can follow me on Facebook. If you want to follow Pastor Phil's life, go to Facebook or Twitter and follow the other people in our church too because we like to hang out with each other through Facebook. Who's a bit like me? All right? So please do that. I talked, about, I talked about David. I talked about David, and, and, and he was called to vanquish all his enemies. And God, in, in Psalm 18, God, am I, should I be up here? Is that better for some people? And God's, through the psalm, you can see it. I haven't got time to go there. But through that psalm, God's calling him up the mountain. And, you know, what's that about? That's going up to pray and to get serious with God. That's going up. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? But those with clean hands. So as you're climbing up that mountain, you're dealing with your sin and you're praying and you're leaving all your stuff behind. You get to a place where you're blameless in God and you're righteous in God. And then David says in that scripture, in that scripture where he says, he's trained my hands for war, my fingers for battle. No, he says, I can bend a bow of bronze. Now, in the Old Testament, that was literal. A bow of bronze, pulling these great arrows back, inflicting damage against the enemy. But we don't do that anymore. Please don't do that. Um, (laughs) the, The Holy Spirit is our bow of bronze now. The Holy Spirit on your life enables you to take the Word of God, to take this Word of God in your mouth, in the bow of bronze. So I take the Word of God out of my sheath, I pull it back in the Holy Ghost and I send it into every circumstance, to every person and to my church, my community, whatever you you see fit to bless. And you can tell when your words are powerful. You can tell a preacher knows when his words are effectual or when they're dead. And so God taught David something that, that he needed to be blameless prerequisite number one be blameless two get anointed get anointed so you can do battle with your enemy now i believe this there is a zeal a warrior spirit in every single one of us it comes from jesus it comes from jesus and i believe when we come up that hill and get anointed get washed and cleansed and stand before god blameless and he anoints us I believe he does give us spiritual weapons like he gave David spiritual weapons to overcome his enemy. I believe the spiritual spiritual weapons now but in the New Testament and right now is things like serving. Wasn't it great that the guys came out and did the back room? You can't see it, but it's all gyprocked out there. Man, to serve the church, you need to be anointed. You don't want to serve the church if you're not anointed. Is that right, Daniel? You just don't. You don't want to even come to church. How much of a battle is it to come to church when you're not anointed? Oh, I think, uh, yeah, I might, and your parents are dragging you to church. And, you know, when you're not anointed, it's very hard to read your Bible. 
So the spiritual weapons that God has given us to pull down the enemy's plans is the Word of God. Is the Word of God. And the Word of God will allow you to reconstruct your life and redesign your future. Because it's the Word of God that goes out and God says, I will perform that Word if you shoot it out in the anointing, not just just nothing, no anointing, no authority. See, one of the key things you were given, let me tell you this, one of the key things you were given as a believer was authority. That's why I'm speaking with authority. I'm not... I'm not speaking like just sharing with you around a cup of coffee at the moment. I'm actually preaching. Pastor Phil says there's a difference between, Pastor Phil Pringle, he says there's a difference between sharing, which we had some great people do here, and then there's, there's preaching, where we actually declare and decree in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? And we, I believe my, a lot of my prayer life is actually like that. But of late, it's become more devotional too. Walking along, being real with God. God, I just don't, you know, man, God, you know, you know that's good too. But, but there is a lot of, when we come together and pray, there is a lot of declaration of prophesying to those dry bones. Prophesying to the dry bones of our finances. You need to do that, Dave, over your finances. Prophesy over your finances, buddy. Prophesy over your marriage. Prophesy over your, over your circumstance of life. Prophesy it, and the Bible says it will come and live. But you won't do that if you've got a passive spirit. A passive spirit rolls over, turns its back, and wimps away. But a, there's a war mode in you. And, and listen, you know there is. You know, it's to do with your survival of life. I mean, it's to do with your um, survival. Uh, what is it? Your, your, your instinct of survival. When I watched a video this afternoon and guy was videoing this railroad track and literally all the ground was falling out from underneath it and his instinct was to back away he said the ground's moving i can feel it i can feel it i've got to back away and as he was backing away the ground fell away there's an instinct of survival that's connected to your war mode that will actually be able to war in the spirit against those things that are that are stopping you advancing your life did i say that too quickly i i say this for Pastor Phil and Julie, we didn't just arrive at this place. We didn't ascend into ministry. And we didn't take ground in Wyong with a passive spirit. We took it with a war mode. It was like, if you touch my kids, I'm coming after you. And that's, how, that's what we did with, with church. We said, this is God's church, devil. Back off. We're coming in. We're pioneering a church. We're worshipping God, loving God, and we use the weapon, the greatest weapon in the universe is the Word of God. And we created a vast space for this church to exist. Against all odds, David, they said, if anyone can do it, it might just be Phil and Julie. They're that innocent enough and, and gullible enough to believe in God's Word and take God for His Word and do it. And so we did, 16, 15 years ago. And we prayed like my life depended on it. I would pray 24-7. I would pray like it was this newborn baby, this church I'm talking about. And we would do the same with our soul. And we went through years of vanquishing the enemy of our soul. And I saw Julie do that year in, year out, dislodging things that were given to her by generational curses, 
things that were given to her by the world. Because you know what? You know how we are and why we are like we are? We were in the world. Julie and I were in the world. And the enemy used us and abused us. And he tried to take us out. He tried to destroy us. So when we came over into the Lord, we went, my God, thank you, I'm saved. Now I know. And we took the same spirit, the same spirit that was coming against it, we took that spirit of persevering faith and we took ground in our life, in our soul, in our family, in our community, now in the church, and we took ground continually with the zeal of God. What's the zeal of God? It's the anointing of God. You know, the Bible says, uh, Paul says, um, I'm, in, I'm in the pains of childbirth for Christ to be formed in you. The pains of childbirth, I mean, he's not going, he's not, you know, he's not, he's not doing this, man. He's warring. Paul's warring in the spirit for his, for his Timothy and for his friends in ministry and for those ones that he's praying for. He's warring for Christ. And then another, another scripture says where Paul says, I beat my body into submission so that it may be my slave. What's that about? Well, look at Pastor Phil's life. Gets up at 4.30 in the morning, prays, and, you know, he's living absolutely in the will of God. Phil Pringle, Pastor Phil Pringle, that's right. Absolutely living in the will of God. He's one of Australia's God's generals. In fact, he's becoming an international general because he goes out all over the world now. But he's beat his body into submission. That's not passive faith. I talked about my love handles this morning. I was, I, man, I've always been reasonably fit, but I've had some love handles creeping in the last couple of years. And I couldn't get rid of those things. I was doing the exercises, man. I was doing all the exercises Luke was showing me and stuff, and it wasn't moving. But I declared war on them by a few certain other methods. And you know what? I've lost my love handles. It's awesome. I won't lift up my shirt. It's all right. I won't show you up, Luke. You've got to get aggressive, man, if you want to, if you want Christ. You know, it's an aggressive spirit that forms Christ in you. You've got to vanquish the enemy of your soul. You've got to vanquish the enemy of your soul and, and let Christ arise and shine in you. Is that good? That's how you answer your high calling. The more you can vanquish the enemy of your soul and then stand in the authority of Christ, you then become a minister of the gospel with authority in your voice and authority in your life. Now, I've just got one Old Testament story to tell you. Let's have a look at it. It's in Kings, the Old Testament story. And let's have a look what God thinks about a passive spirit. There's a situation. You can put it up, Sam. It's, let's say start off in 2 Kings 13, 14, and I'll just follow it through. Just, just read it for yourself. But the story is in the Old Testament. And... Um, this is the effects of a passive spirit. Elijah the prophet was about to die, and Joash, king of Israel, in an unusual show of affection, wept over the man of God. And so this is a prophet. He's, he's Elisha. There was Elijah. Now there's Elisha, but he's dying. But the king says, I've got to get, a, I've got, I've got to get the blessing. And I know how Elisha got it off Elijah. He, he quoted something. I'm going to do the same. So Joash gets smart, and he says, I'm going to go to dying Elisha, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to quote something over him that he quoted over Elijah. Let's have a look at it. 
to King, the, the king, king of uh, Israel, Joash, in an unusual show of affection, wept over the man of God, adding to the intrigue. The king then spoke the very words that Elisha had himself uttered to Elijah in the last hours of his mentor's life. This is the scripture, 2 Kings 13, 14. My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. See, kings need the anointing. They need, they, they need favor from God to win the battles. It's the same deal with us. We need the anointing. We need favor. It is possible that the king sought from the prophet some special blessing for victory in battle. Elijah did, not, Elijah did accommodate the king, yet he also tested him. Say tested him. Ordering the king to take a bow and arrow, Elijah told him, put your hand on the bow. Elijah then laid his hands on top of the king's hands and said, Open the window towards the east. Joash opened it. Elijah said, shoot. And as Joash shot, Elijah proclaimed, in verse 17, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. That sounds great, man. I wish someone would say that over me. God thereby declared through Elisha, that he was going to honor King Joash for recognizing the anointing on this prophet and seeking his blessings. Yet one test remained. Now just imagine this. Just imagine this. I'd like to have had some arrows here. Who's got any arrows? Any arrows, anyone? Three arrows. I need, yeah. Elisha, eh? Have we? Have we got something? Yeah, we can use the umbrellas. I've never... Never shot an umbrella, but might work. Things are desperate. Elijah told the king, I said, that Elijah told the king to take the arrows and strike the ground. It's unusual. Okay. Joash thinks, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I'll just have three, mate. <laughs> yeah, choose your weapon. Choose ye this day who you yeah, gee, let me have those three. Three arrows, guys, just use your imagination. He says, take these arrows and, what's he say? Let's have a look at it. Strike the ground. Joash took the arrows, but he struck the ground only three times and stopped. So help me, it might have been a little bit like this. Take the arrows, okay. Shrugs your shoulders. How's that? Looking around, embarrassed, you know. How's that? Uh, Elijah says, you should have struck five or six times. Meaning you should have struck it. Man, if I'm telling you to do something prophetic, if I'm, I'm asking you to do something in the spirit, you should have grabbed those arrows and you should have struck them like How's that? You know what I mean? But he was a wuss. He was a wimp. And, 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 and God and Elisha, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. 2 Kings 3.19 Elijah was angered by the passive spirit in King Johash. He saw that the king did not possess the
the perseverance to pursue his enemies until he fully conquered them. It's a bit like the displeasure and anger that Jesus talks about in Revelations. And if you've got that scripture, thanks, Sam. Revelation 3.15. I know and Jesus is talking to the church and he's talking to this church and he says, I know the deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were unsaved so I could get you saved and get you on fire. Or I wish you were hot on fire and doing my will and doing what I've asked you to do. I don't want you to be in the middle. You're too good for that. I saved you. I destined you for a reason, for a season. You see that? I always wondered what, hot, cold? You just want us to be... I know your deeds that you are neither neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. 16. So because you are lukewarm, neither nor hot nor cold, I am about to spew you out of my mouth. Uh, Jesus obviously was very, very um, displeased. Very displeased. There is a holy, there is a holy, uh, look, some people say, but I don't feel like, I'm a pacifist. I'm, 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 you know, I thought Jesus was a pacifist. He was. He's the quintessential pacifist, but but he was in war mode all the time. He taught his disciples to be in war mode. He sent the 70 out and they came back. Man, even the, the demons bow their knee. Even the demons listen to us. Jesus says, don't worry about that. But understand this, that you have authority to dislodge Satan's plans. That you have authority to do what I'm doing. The things that I do, you will do because I'm going to the Father. If you're following Jesus, he will lead you into battles. He will lead you into battles. And if you keep doing that in a personal way and you vanquish the enemy of your soul and then you help your friends do that and Julie and I helped each other for a long time vanquish the enemy of our souls and, and we did that purposefully because we hate what Jesus hates. You know, we hate evil. We hate things that displease him. And so we dealt with things. We feared God. We loved God. We weren't passive about our relationship with God. We weren't passive about our salvation. We knew Christ and Christ was in us. And we wanted to honor him with the temple of our body. If you was going to live in my body, I wanted everything dealt with. I wanted every room squeaky clean, domestos, vacuumed with my, with my new vacuum cleaner. I bought, what's the thing, the Dyson man and... and cleaning it inside and out. I want Jesus to live in my body and I want him to be able to do what he wants to do at will, at whim, whenever. And that takes the war mode. That takes someone, although Jesus was hanging out with the sinners, laughing with the sinners, and, and, and he was you know, rebuking demons and stuff, he was in the war mode all the time. And he taught his disciples to be in the war mode because Jesus knew that this was a fallen planet. And you know what, Adam and Eve, if they had activated this war mode in them, they wouldn't have been usurped by the, by the serpent. But they were passive. And what did he say? What did the, Satan, what did the serpent say? Oh, he said, if you eat that apple, it'd be like God. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah. No. They should have said, no way, Jose. No, God didn't say that. No, hey, Eve, did you, did you hear that? I didn't hear that. Who is this guy? Who is he anyway? You know what? We think this is paradise, but the serpent was hanging out in paradise back then. And I believe the serpent is still hanging out in our paradise of planet Earth. 
We think it's peacetime, but it's not. There's a hostility out there, and we've got to we've got to activate the war mode and pray for our kids and family. You know what? There's too many kids sick, too many kids sick because parents don't activate the war mode and pray and declare the boundary lines around their family. Do you know what I mean? And say, devil, you're not coming in and making my kids sick, having all these days off school. You're not doing that. I'm putting the blood of Christ around there, and we need to war in Jesus' name. You're not going to take the job off me that I got. I'm warring in the spirit. You're not going to take the marriage that God gave me. He's not going to take that marriage off me. Young people, you need to learn this. He didn't give you the, the Holy Spirit war. I mean, he didn't give you this Holy Spirit and this ability to engage with authority just for defensive maneuvers. I mean, he, he wants you to utilize that. Start to do that in your own life. Don't be passive. Don't be passive, believer. Go for more. Go for more. I'm nearly done. That's how we got here. That's how we got this church up. We prayed. Like there was no tomorrow. When I gave my life to the Lord, I vanquished things off my life. I vanquished them. That means I destroyed them, obliterated them. We burnt things. We went through photos and said, that photo, it's disgusting. Burn it. See, trouble is, a lot of you people come from such goody-two-shoes backgrounds. You take your goody-two-shoes lifestyle into the kingdom of God. And it doesn't hold up. The devil's diabolical. He's brutal. He wants to kill you. He wants to ruin, steal, and kill from you. Understand that. But Jesus said, I have come to give life and life abundantly. Do you know what I'm saying? We've got to be so persevering in our faith. Keep our ground. Keep marching on. He wants, he wants, he wants what you were apprehended for. He wants to spoil that for which you were apprehended for. I'm going to read that, and that's the last thing. Philippians, I didn't think there was a a war going on either, but at a very young age, I said this morning, I had a repetitive dream about this glass sea. It's um, It's in Revelations, and it talks about this glass of sea. And I was only about five or six years of age in Revelations 4, 6. It says, before the throne, there was something like the sea of glass, like crystal. And it was symbolizing no ripples. I mean, I was a kid. I was five or six. I was having these dreams like this. Truly, I was standing on this ocean so smooth, so tranquil, no ripples. And it was peace. That's what struck me was the peace. I can still feel it now. I only had this dream in the space of a couple of months, had it about three times. And then as I was thinking, this is why, and I thought to myself, why can't it be like this? Why can't life be like this? And then all of a sudden, the ocean, it's, I went, oh no, no, not that. And I used to get anxious. You know, one of the last times I dreamt it, I got so anxious. No, not again, not again. Guys, That's speaking to me about there is a heaven. There is a tranquility and a peace around Christ, around the throne of God. But there is a war on this planet. There is a roar of the oceans, which depicts the roaring of the nations against each other and all the fuss and corruption and stuff like that. Father, we're standing in, in great days. and Let's all stand. God bless you.
Let's all stand. And Christ has authorized you, He's engaged you to stand in these days and bring a difference. That's a pretty heavy message. Listen, let me just tell you this, that the, um, the war mode is from a position of love. Let, let, let me just say this. The war mode, the war mode, the warrior, the praying warrior, not warrior, warrior, that is from a disposition of love. When you got love for your family, you pray for them. When you got love for your church, you pray for them. When you got love for certain people, you pray for them out of a, a spirit of love. And uh, and I and I spoke this prayer this morning, and I think I think we probably need to do it right now. Let's pray this, Lord. I repent for not loving people enough to fight for their well-being, Jesus. Just, just close your eyes there if you, if you can. Jesus, you fought for us. And for love, you gave it all for us. Lord, help me pattern my life after yours. Let my warfare be an expression of my love. Both for you and my loved ones. In Jesus' name, I pray this. That, Father, you would activate would activate the spirit of faith in my life that father in heaven right now forgive me of being passive that I have not stood up for certain situations that I've been aware of that I've not stood up for my own life and so I believe right now Lord God that you are reactivating the spirit of prayer to war in the spirit in the heavenlies with the supernatural weapons you've given me to Lord clear the clear the, the ground and make a way for my friends to be saved and to be healed and to be blessed I use the weapons that God has given me with the bow of bronze the Holy Spirit and the word of God in the bow I send it out with the authority of Christ and Jesus as I follow you you lead me into these battles you lead me into these battles. You lead me into these places that I can handle. He doesn't lead you into battles where he's not, he's not going to protect you, but he's given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions, and to go into situations, and into hospitals and pray for that diseased person. He's given you the ability to go in and witness to your friends who are languishing in sin and brokenness and so God mobilize me to achieve my high calling give me a zeal to overcome the enemy of my soul to vanquish the enemy of my soul once and for all some people need to do that in the house right now may the anointing come upon you right now in Jesus name may you apprehend that which you were apprehended for I feel to do this to read this scripture because I got it in the prayer room and it is going to bless someone. I just need my glasses out of that jacket. Thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. 
handed. Philippians says this. But whatever was for my profit, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, but whatever was for my profit, I now consider a loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider myself everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, faith, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of suffering, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Here it is. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that, of that. I don't know what your that is. I've got an idea what my that is. Press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. I believe God took a hold of me and the that in my life is to stir up the generations under me. This night, Sunday nights at C3 Tugra will be a Gen Y night. I'm reaching out to the teenagers and the young people in their 20s and their 30s, and if you're daring enough, older. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on, I press on, I press on with persevering faith, I press on with faith, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, heavenward in Christ Jesus and the saints say, and the saints say, and let's give it up for Jesus right there if we can. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God.